1: Thanks for stopping by liberty for her where we unpack one woman's entrepreneurial journey to help another woman launch her own I'm your host netta jones. We're here to listen learn and liberate dreams one episode at a time Well, hello, Liberty listeners, welcome to another episode of Liberty for Her. And today you get to hear from Christy Desai of OK Humans. And I just have to tell you guys, in bringing you this episode on retail in this whole season, we've been talking about all sorts of retail, product based, service based, direct to consumer, brick and mortar, all sorts of things. But we haven't come close to talking about something like Christy's offering. I am so excited for her to tell you about it, to unpack it together, and for you to really consider what the model that she's proposing or putting out into the world could mean for your business. So without further ado, Christy, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Nada, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. We are thrilled to have you and thrilled at the product, uh, the service, I should say, that you're putting out into the world. So let's let's unpack that a little bit more for our audience. Tell us a little bit about OK Humans.
0: Yes.
2: OK Humans is talk therapy. So we are passionate about face-to-face talk therapy. With the pandemic, we, we make it easier to uh, see people virtually, but nonetheless, that is still face-to-face. And what we did that's a little different than your typical private practice is we were visible we made it easier to get to therapy and one of those ways is by being on front and center on a on a retail strip um, on a busy street so that people could actually see us and see where they could go for help if that was something they were looking for so we're a brick and mortar Face to face talk therapy. We are service oriented. Obviously, our product is the service, and we just have made it easier. We're a more affordable options. So, typically in private practice, therapy can cost. 250 or more where we live in Los Angeles yeah. um, but your sessions can be as low as 124 at okay humans so we are passionate about making therapy more affordable and then we've also made it easier in that you can see the therapist schedule availability on the website or on the app you can mm-hmm. see what availability they have and then you can go and book with them immediately so we really empower the client to decide who they mm-hmm. want to work with and as long as that you know and they know if their schedule will match or not and then they can book right Away and come in and meet with that
1: therapist, or elect to be seen virtually online. That's amazing. Okay, you you keep saying talk therapy. Tell me, how is that distinct from other therapies? Is that not the therapy that I assume it is? Or
2: it's honestly, it's such a good question. We actually yeah. don't know what to call it. Because, <laughs> um, a lot of times, people, if you say psychotherapy, they're sort of confused by that. If you Got just it. say therapy, they think speech therapy or occupational therapy okay. um so there is so we we are like how's a good way to qualify this to make it clear that we are we're about emotional wellness so okay. we are the the feelings doctor the talking doctor um we're the place to go when when life happens and maybe you feel a little overwhelmed or you just want some insight or a new perspective or you're, you know something just feels off and you don't know exactly what it is but um yeah. maybe you've heard about therapy and you want to try it but it, it we say talk therapy because you know i mean i think freud back in the day the you know the father of all of this um said talking was the cure and so yeah. um we just it's just the way we we try to make it more clear that it's not op- occupational therapy it's not speech therapy it's um, it makes
1: it makes sense and actually it feels like it sort of lowers whatever barrier people might think there is to entry when you say psychotherapy like maybe they think that something has to be on a scale of 1 to 10, like somewhere between 8, 9, and 10 before you do something like that. When you say talk therapy, it like opens the doors to, oh, okay, I'm not sure what's happening. I need to discuss sort of these emotions that I'm feeling or lack of emotions or whatever.
2: Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think you make a really good point. Um, lack of emotions. I think sometimes people can feel a little numb. They don't necessarily know yeah. what's happening or what they're feeling. And there's just a, maybe a bit of loss or confusion. And sometimes people come in and, and don't know what to say or, or, or they have nothing to talk about. Um, but the therapist helps ease you into that. And yeah. sometimes, you know, it's a the therapist's job to do more of the talking, to help get the client at ease and, um, more comfortable with, with, you know, the process
1: yeah you said something else that i caught on to um you said and yes we live in la and therapy is very expensive and you guys are able to offer this at such a low rate but you said it could be as low as what 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 do we have to do do we have to like fill out an application like how do we know if we qualify for this rate
2: so actually, it's just um, with membership. So if you became a member, which means you commit to four sessions per month, and you're only obligated for the month, right? So you pay upfront for four sessions. It's a total of four ninety six, and those sessions never expire. They never go away. You can gift them to somebody. Um, so it, typically, therapy does happen where people come once a week. That's when you can sort of establish a foundation to get to know the therapist, to get to feel comfortable with them. They get. To, you know, they get to know you and can best help you when there is a frequency of about once a week. So it's 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 what people are basically already doing. And if you if you're doing that, then we just want to reward you <laughs> for showing up and doing the hard work and making it more affordable, more bite sized, awesome. um, so that you can continue and stay with it. Because you know, therapy is not a it's not a fast solution. I mean. Studies show that when you book your session, you already feel better just because it's, you know, maybe helps around the corner or you've taken some action and some initiative to to do something to help yourself. And so you will start to feel better, but it's not. an immediate fix. And so there is, there is a slow process with therapy um, and an integration that happens. And even just feel, I mean, sometimes I've heard it said, and this is not to dissuade anyone, but, (laughs) and not to discount anyone in the work they're doing, but um, you know, therapists in the field, we sort of talk about how, you know, sometimes we're not even getting started until we're a year in. Yeah. Yeah. Because it takes a while to get comfortable and to, for you to trust that therapist and for, you know, again, just to just to kind of be able to go to the places that you don't always want to go to, um, that could ultimately be liberating and helpful for you.
1: Yeah, I myself have gone to therapy, and I want to say something about what you just said. When a therapist says we might not be getting anywhere for a year, it doesn't mean that the client is not feeling the benefits of that for a year? Because so often we just need to talk it out. And the therapist is knowing that there's the there's a route to that that they're trying to get to. And that that could take some time before you unpack all those things. But in the process, we're still feeling better.
2: Yes, that's such a good point. Because um, I mean, it's interesting. I before I was a therapist, I was a client, and everything you described, I didn't know a thing about therapy. I didn't know the different types of therapy. I didn't. I my therapist was really analytical and um, was more felt more distant, and I didn't really feel a, a warm bone from her and her body yeah. anywhere. But I went every week because I just felt better. And it was just as simple as feeling lighter. And it's, that's all I knew. And I just showed up and I did that for a year and it made a massive difference. And my husband and I always joke, we're like, we have no idea what that lady was doing, but she definitely saved her marriage. (laughs) but and so I mean I, I really appreciate you calling that out because I sometimes get in my therapist head where yeah. now that I'm a therapist and I and I also still get to experience therapy as a client I do know that there is a little more often happening that maybe you know the client's not even aware of that maybe yeah. that root cause or that thing and you know it's such um it's such a mutual experience of not knowing of. Trusting and and even faith, so to speak, because mm-hmm. often the therapist doesn't know either, but they know something's not right, mm-hmm. or they have some indications. But it really is a, an uncovering and a discovery with the client—a complete collaboration of of what unfolds and where they go. And that client, the client is always in control of that, and will never have to go anywhere they don't want to go. And the client gets to decide: I'm helped enough, or I feel better. And that actually happened with my first. Uh, my first therapist, I went every week for a year. I felt so much better. I'm like, okay, this is great. Like, you know, I got a new job and things were moving and I I wasn't going to stay in therapy for my entire life, but she wouldn't let me go. So I would say, (laughs) hey, I I, I think I'm done. And it would, then it would sort of turn into this exploration of like, um, you know, do do I, do I feel like I'm worth investing the money or, you know, kind of these things that to, to, I understand what she was doing now as a therapist, but as a client, it felt like a little gross or um, a little difficult. And, and she was a thousand percent, right. I had a more work I could have been doing, but I wasn't ready to do it then. And I wasn't ready to go there and I got what I needed. And so I think it's important for therapists to, to, again, just make sure that the, the client knows that it's their call and they're empowered and, um, to never make to chase somebody or make them feel like they should stay because even if sure. they have more work to do, that's not, it's not for us to
1: decide as a therapist. Yeah. They have to come to that realization. It feels a lot like personal trainer for your emotions. It's sort of like you can't expect to show up once and build the muscle or lose the weight or, you know, whatever it is your goal is. You, it, it, that's not how it happens. You have to keep showing up. But the extent in which you want to go is really on you. That's what I'm hearing. Yes, yes. Okay, that's that's awesome. Okay, tell us, and, and before we, we start, before we hit record, I just said to you, this is amazing that you're doing this work at a time when sort of in the zeitgeist, we're becoming so aware of our own emotions, more and more people are coming out talking about mental health and mental well-being. And of course, you, didn't, you couldn't have planned such a thing um, that you'd be launching a business in the midst of a pandemic. But tell us a little bit about what you're seeing or what that's meant to you as you guys are launching this and more and more voices are saying, yes, we need to be investing in ourselves in this way.
2: Yeah, I mean, we were passionate about this from day one, and w- and way before we ever knew a pandemic was going to happen. And there were some indications that there was just some disruption in the space and some innovation in the space. Um, but but it seems as if the pandemic accelerated all that. And so not only did it accelerate the innovation and room for more players and all this growth, but it also really changed the conversation and helped to normalize. You know, our emotional wellness and, and seeking therapy and um, just the humanness of us all and the connectedness of us all. We are in a relation to one another. We need one another. Yeah. And so it's hard to get better without um without looking at and examining all those relationships without staying curious about how you were impacted by the pandemic and what happened and what that meant to you and um you know maybe for the first time you were stuck at home with a partner that you that you loved and adored but got to, got to essentially be, you know, passing ships in the night and that worked for you. And now all of a sudden you're in each other's faces and what does that look like? And so the pandemic really brought up a lot for a lot of people in, in in so many different ways, obviously the larger looming question of life and death and purpose. And um, am I cultivating the life that I want? And um, I think that kind of loomed over everyone, but obviously loss and, um, I mean, privilege and all the things that come along with your privilege and even, you know, better health care and what that means for you. And so I think there was a great reckoning and just this really call to action that every every individual got to do take notice of their mental health and to step up to the plate, you know, and whatever the plate looked like was different for everyone. But we wanted to to be an option for people who wanted to, to explore all those things coming up in therapy.
1: Right. So there's this kind of perfect intersection of all this that had happened and is happening. And you bringing this to the public and therapy has existed. So what is it about okay humans that you felt was missing? We've talked about the price point piece of it, but what is it that you're bringing to us that we didn't have? This feels really disruptive, but I want our, our, um, our audience, our listeners to really understand um, what you were trying to, to birth in okay humans that you saw missing.
2: Yeah, so I think one of those was the normalizing therapy, making it visible and making it easier for people to get to therapy. And to your point, obviously with the pandemic and all the growth and explosion that's happened in, in this new normal of it's important to take care of ourselves. Um, in some ways, it's kind of seems like well, that's already happened. So, um, yeah. but we did, but we really did want to demystify, destigmatize, and by demystify, we wanted to sort of pull back a curtain and be like, hey, this is what therapy is like, and this and therapy is for anyone and Everyone and it can help you and it can change lives and it can help your family and it can help communities. And so we, you know, before the pandemic, we always wanted to be in a retail area and we wanted to be visible because we thought, you know, being visible can help to change the conversation around that. And so that's one that's one way in which we're different. We talked a little bit about the booking process, and we have an app and we have a website where you can go and find your therapist. So often, I mean, just the barriers of, of entry are enough to make anyone want to give up because they have to search high and low for a therapist and you have to reach out to those therapists and do your schedules match? And then do they, you know, do, maybe they, do they take insurance? Most therapists in, in Los Angeles don't. And then, you know, can they take you on? And is there a day and time that your schedules meet and all those sorts of things? So we wanted to remove those barriers and just make it easier for someone, if they wanted to, to get to therapy, to just go on our website we have video bio so they can watch a video of a therapist, see their schedule right away and book with them. So it, it just wow. takes out all that hassle of how, how do I get started? Where do I go? We just wanted
1: to make that easier as well. That's amazing. I didn't realize the, the bios. That's so cool.
2: Yeah. There's a little video, there's a written bio. And so you can get a sense of the this therapist, you know, how they work. Maybe if you, can't stand their voice or if you love their voice, you know, if they feel like they would be warm and inviting or if they, or if they're like super mellow and that's what you're looking for. Um, So you can kind of immediately, and it, you know, it's, I, there's a lot of part part of the um, innovation within the therapy world has been like matching systems and like we'll help match a mm-hmm. therapist. And I think that's great because what they're wanting to do is make it easier for someone to start therapy. But we, you know, the, the relationship is what makes therapy the most successful mm-hmm. thing. So it's less about um, what the therapist is doing and what they're saying and if they practice from, you know, a, a cognitive behavioral therapy approach or a different approach. And it's more about how do how does the client feel with that therapist? And is there a working relationship here? Sure. And because that's the most important component, we trust that the client will be able to pick someone that they best feel comfortable with more so than we could or any algorithm could. Um, and so that's so that's one thing that I'm personally passionate about that I think is important is that we have we allow for the client to have that self-determination and empowerment to pick the therapist they want to work with. And then the good news is, is we have 11, 12 therapists. So if you do pick someone and you're like, oh my gosh, like that, they were much different, you know, um, in person, or I didn't like what they said, then you can, you can pick a different therapist. And we will certainly help and guide you and, and help make sure you land with someone you, you're excited about and comfortable with.
1: That's awesome. And knowing that that's what's going to bring about the, the result for the client. I mean, at the end yes, of the day. Yeah, exactly. Most therapists have some sort of bio, it's the video that's just, that's so brilliant. And of course, like, Of course, that would be something that you guys would be bringing to us, um, given the model that you're building. A lot of what you're talking about is the ease um, to entry and this technological piece of it, that you're a service-based company, but you've brought forth sort of this retail face, and then there's this technology component. Tell us a little bit about why that was important to you guys, that people could watch the videos or book online or... See schedules.
2: Well, you know, my thought was, was that consumers are so savvy and we're seeing it in so many different verticals and across all landscapes. And so it was like, why can't this also then apply to therapy? And Mm. if it works well for facials um, or if it, you know, if it even works well, I mean, a a different variation, but even like Warby Parker was someone I looked to, it's like, okay, they're making glasses more affordable. They're getting them to people's homes. Like they have some storefronts, you know, um, you know, what, what is it that consumers are used to and how do we meet them there and make that experience of what they know and what they've come to expect with therapy? Because why should therapy be different, you know?
1: Yeah. And I would also think that once that consumer understands or experiences the ease of it, it more naturally becomes a part of their life. To your point about a facialist, or we mentioned a gym earlier, it's like, this is easy to overcome, not just the initial time that I'm experiencing okay humans, but fitting it in my life, the ongoing piece, which is, again, we're after the end goal, which is healthy humans, emotionally healthy humans. So it it makes sense, again, not just from the first experience, but the ongoing experience for them. What, I mean, you're, you're a therapist, obviously, but yes. what was the experience that you had that you felt like, I want to do more than be a therapist? Like, what what pulled you into this entrepreneurial sort of path? So before
2: I was a therapist, I owned a franchise concept out of New York, um, also in Brentwood, just a few doors down from where yes. OK Humans is. And that was my first sort of go round with um, starting a business and hiring and training a staff and working with customers and making sure our customer service was on point and that we were delivering a good service and a good product. And, um, so I had that experience and that I just kind of, I don't necessarily think of myself as an entrepreneur or whatnot, but I I got married really young. I had kids really young. Yeah. I wanted something for me, but I didn't Mm. really have the opportunity to climb a corporate ladder or to get promotion after promotion because I was also juggling, being a mom. And I also was conflicted. I didn't fully want to just immerse myself in in the corporate world or that sort of thing. And so I kind of had to carve out my own career path. And I had an uncle who um, owned a collision repair shop in Kansas city. He just sold it and I had it for, you know, 35, 40 years. Um, and so I had, you know, I had some experience growing up of, you know, what it was like to to be in his body shop and to see him in charge and uh, to know that when it snowed, he would be excited because that would mean more business would coming in. You know, I mean, there are just <laughs> little, little things like that. My, my, aunt worked for him my other uncle worked for him and so it was this family business that you know I had really good um, feelings and experience around and and loved sort of knowing that you know even as a kid I understood that my uncle uh, contributed to the community in some way Mm. and so I think when I knew I wanted to do something else and and a little bit more and challenge myself in, in some ways I I naturally picked this mommy me concept that I experienced first as a as a consumer in New York city. And I thought it would be a great thing for the community. It was for zero to five-year-olds and I had kids and I was passionate about it. And so I opened that up in Brentwood and again, quickly got like my sort of lived experience of this is what it's like to run a business. And when I, I exited, And I, with the intention of going back to grad school, I had been in therapy and my life was changing in so many ways. And I wanted to help people in the same ways my life was changing. So I exited the business. I went back to grad school. I got my master's in clinical psychology and then became a licensed marriage and family therapist. And I had no intentions of getting into business because I'd been there. I'd done that. Um, I knew how hard it was to operate and own a business. And I honestly, like therapy seemed amazing because it was like, I'll never have to do that again. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, in so many ways that I unexpectedly kind of ended up here, but it really was just this, it was a passion that I had that I couldn't turn off because I really felt like there was a need. I really felt that it has to be easier for people to get help. Like I, Fortunately, found my therapist because a friend in passing had mentioned, you know, her good experience of working with this therapist. And I was a busy um, mom that owned a business, and so I thought, oh, let me let me do this again. I had, you know, experience years ago, um, and I thought this will be good. I'll pop in for a few times, yeah. uh, get rid of some of, you know, feel lighter again, get rid of all this stress. And it literally changed my life. And so I wanted to be a therapist, but because because of owning a business before, understanding some of the ins ins and outs of that, having been a a client and then a therapist, I just kept thinking, well, if it changed my life this much and I didn't even know I needed therapy, then how many other people could benefit from it and not know? And, and, you know, I remember from my first business location, 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 you know, it was like, we were, we, we were actually tucked away a little bit, but we were in Brentwood. We were kind of in the hub of like, families and, um, and people would walk in and and find us. And I thought, well, could that happen for therapy?
1: You know? It's amazing that you can connect the dots. Like you're, you're looking back and you're from getting married early, pushing back the career part of your life, owning a franchise, going back to grad school to become a therapist. It's funny how you can just see all of these things that, all culminated, and that intersection is okay. Humans, like it's so clear now, right?
2: It really is. And there, another. I mean, so I, I partnered with the founders of Drybar. So ironically, I actually worked at um, the Drybar, and Ali and I did a panel this past weekend. And she even said, when I ran into her on the street and I told her I had this idea and I had been in contact with her partner, Brittany Driscoll that you um, interviewed for Liberty um, for, uh, she's the CEO of Squeeze. And so I had been in Instagram contact with her. We arranged to meet up. And that same day I ran into Allie on the street. And so I approached her and she said this weekend at the panel that when I told her I worked at the dry bar, she was like, okay, maybe, maybe I could hear this person out. So it's, uh, you know, talk about sort of everything coming together and this culmination of all these moments that added up to become okay humans. It certainly felt like everything did, ha- did happen and, wow. and, and come to this moment.
1: Wow. That's amazing. And I think um, for our listeners, it's those moments when we hear those things, we can look in our own lives and and sort of start to see, is there a through line here? Is there a way that I can weave all of this experience together? Oftentimes we feel like our road has been way too windy and we haven't had this like single trajectory or this single path. And I would say that sometimes exactly as it should be. And the more I listen to people's stories like yours, the more I'm convinced that those windy roads are the things that lead us to this this point, this aha moment, this point of being able to pull these disparate threads from our lives and say, no, this was all as it should be. This was intentional. This was by design. I just needed to be listening and paying attention. So I love that. I love that. You're validating that. (laughs)
2: Well, that, I mean, that was my experience. I very much was like, oh my gosh, this road is so windy. And like, so windy, I feel sick. Like, what is happening? What's going on? And what's the point to all this? And what, you know, why have I done, you know, all these little random things? And so it is nice to, you know, to now have the perspective of this this all actually did come together and it does make sense and everything builds upon something yeah. and it is important to kind of just stick with it and write it out And in that moment if it feels like maybe this experience wasn't what you hoped it would be or you didn't get what you thought you should from it like just put a pin in it it will circle back around and it will. There will be some relevance to it at some point
1: yeah absolutely absolutely So we're trying something new around here. We're going to start acting like a real media company and partner with brands we love, brands we actually want to share with you. We're doing this for a couple reasons. One, in order to keep bringing these stories to you, we need to pay the team that pulls it all together each week. And two, these collaborations actually provide another way for us to shout out and share female-founded ventures, as well as resources we think you'll love. Our first partner is someone that's near and dear to us. She's even been interviewed on the podcast. You can check out episode 98 for her startup story and her advice on scaling your business. This is none other than Marin Costello. Now, Marin's jewelry is a brand that I've both worn and shared with friends. Her designs are always on trend, and for some reason, they never go out of style. How can you do both? I don't know, but she does it. Everything's made in the U.S. It's hypoallergenic and water-resistant, so you can wear it all the time. And they're committed to sustainable practices, like recently they've started using environmentally conscious stainless steel and sourcing products from manufacturers that share these values. And if you're a fan of layering, well, you're welcome. Head over to shopmarincostello.com, that's S-H-O-P, M-A-R-R-I-N-C-O-S-T-E-L-L-O.com and layer stack and load up on the gold and silver to your heart's desire. And there's no need to feel bad about this little indulgence because when you use the code NETA15, that's N-A-D-A-1-5, you'll get 15% off your purchase now through December 31st. So head over and get to shopping and remember to use Netta, nada 15 to get 15% off all your shopping from now through the end of the year. I want to kind of pivot a little bit here and dig into the kind of the, the retail component, like what you've learned and what you have to offer. I think we wanted to focus this season on this particular subject because it's sort of having its own moment. I think a lot of people are hearing that brick and mortar is dead. I would argue that brick and mortar is having a, a resurgence and it people are uh, more interested than ever in finding places to commune with one another. And so how do we do that? And what portion of brick and mortar needs to be different? And, and do the do the the entrepreneurs who are running those business need to approach that model in a different way. And then what are the awesome opportunities that exist specifically for services where when you're giving a service, it can't be sold on Amazon. Like you don't, you know, you're somewhat protected from that. But then again, there's Zoom and lots of people are communicating that way. So what are the things that we have to offer? So I just want to pick your brain a little bit. Um, We talked uh, to several other entrepreneurs who are product-based. But I'm wondering as a service-based business, like what are the things that you're facing that you feel like it's very similar to a product-based or this is wildly different? Like the uh, the way we have to get customers is the same, but the way we serve customers is different. Anything like that. Can you speak to those things a little bit?
2: Yeah, well, I think, it- in particular, for us, again, it's really relational based. So it it really is that we've we've done a lot around the experience. Um, so when a, a guest comes into to our location, we have they're greeted, you know by our major D team that um, initially helps them feel at ease and warm and welcome. They escort them to our lounge with we where our mentality bar is. And so there's, um, you know, almonds and yummy, delicious tea. And so, you know, we've created experiences around this service that we have um, that we think you know, really sort of lend to an environment of putting one at ease for therapy, which is the mm-hmm. service we deliver. Um, and and ultimately, though, as long you know, doing all those things are important and help. And I think um, really excite people about being at OK Humans, which also, y- yes, in some ways, we could all, we could do therapy virtually, and we are competing with, in some ways, like you know, Talkspace or BetterHelp or or the virtual options in the world. Mm-hmm. But there's something special about being in person and about having, you know, an experience around therapy, even just I know I personally miss the commute to and from my therapist office, there was a a headspace that you could get in um, before you went in and did did the work. And so I think unless you intentionally set those things out, that can be lost when doing virtual therapy. And so you know but at the end of the day it really is that relationship based with the therapist and so that's from our perspective that's a little harder to control right we have to we have to hope that there's a connection there and that it continues to be built upon because with therapy somebody you know the client has to be with someone that they they trust and feel like they're getting something from so in some ways being service based we don't have a lot of control versus where i think a product you could potentially tweak the formula or the packaging sure. or you know sort of do some of those things and and it's a little bit out of our hands to some degree
1: but i would think the the nuance there is also the magic right yes when people come in and they connect with that therapist it's that safe space it's that i can take a breath now i'm i'm in that place and i would also say A lot of times when you go to therapy, you don't have any interaction with a front desk. You don't have a mentality bar, which I love. That's fantastic. You don't have the physical surroundings that are there to sort of welcome you. So sometimes it's really 100% all about the therapist versus here, you're having a full experience and you may be sold on OK Humans and then want to switch up the therapist. But you want to stay at OK Humans because you've enjoyed what they've created that vibe that sort of sense of you belong here or you're safe here or we're caring for you we're taking care we're going to hold your hand once you come into this space and that's that's unique
2: yeah and i think that that again anything to make it to take something off the plate of the client to make it easier for Mm -hmm. them to to get to. So if you want to shoot us an email at help at okhumans.com or or text, you know, it's like we're available. We have a guest services team different than our matro D staff, which is on site, but the guest service team, you know, you can, you can text them, you can email them, they can call, you can call, they can call you. And so there really is somebody that can help get you through any part of your process, which which is nice because it's just what's often just sometimes one more thing for somebody to do is the thing that can put, them, can put them over the edge or be the difference of like a frustrating moment or a bad day. And so we really do try to, to change those things to, to make it better for people.
1: So you guys are technically brick and mortar and direct to consumer. Like people can have a session with you online and everything, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Wow, okay. So yeah, you're, you're multi here, you're multi-channel here. I don't think I realized that. I mean, I knew that you had that availability, but I was thinking about it so much in the context of the pandemic where so many therapists are doing that, but that's a model you'll continue to ride into the future.
2: Well, I should clarify. So our guest service okay. team is just, is the, um, they're just there to help with like the experience. So okay. you need to okay. reschedule and you're, you're, um, you went to do it on your app, but got you it, just need to it. make sure they saw it or got it. But, um, but we do meet with, we, p- people can have virtual sessions.
1: Okay. Um. And, and our guest experience team can help set that up and make sure you've got your link and all that sort of stuff. That's awesome. Okay. So one of the things we hear a lot about brick and mortar is that it's necessary that you're building an experience. And with your particular service, it's embedded in the product. Like you you can't have one without the other. So what are the things that you would say that you're doing or OK Humans is doing to really kind of expand that therapy experience to the consumer? Again, I think what's, what's making you distinctly different from those, who would go to a corner office upstairs in a building versus a retail sort of space?
2: Yeah. Well, most of our clients have found us by walking by or driving by. Mm-hmm. So, and that's real. I mean, that makes sense in the world of retail, but th- I mean, that's not a one-for-one in therapy. I mean, that's not really how people find their therapist. Um, typically it's word of mouth. It's, um, they've done their own deep dive, they've scrolled through their like insurance, you know, yeah. Panel offering, but um, for for majority of our clients who have found us from walking by or driving by, by is exactly what we wanted to have happened. Um, we wanted people to be able to see, hey, there's a place I could go to therapy that's that's been on my list or that's something I wanted to do. Or you know what? Now that it's right here and it's easier, I should make this a priority. And so w- our thesis is is seems to be true. That's what we hoped would have happened, and it and it. Is happening, and so in terms of why those people pick us, I think I think it helps to be visible. And then often people remark about how beautiful the space is, and Mm. so we really did put a lot of time and effort. We worked with the same architect who built out Drybar Mm. and Squeeze, and so Josh Heitler and his team. um, We have these curved suite walls, so when you're in therapy, that we call it a metaphorical hug. Um, So we really kind of did do all that we could to, to make it feel, I, I think we wanted to communicate that yes, therapy is important, but you're important. And we know that and we reflect it in, in our space. Um, so it's not kind of the obscure, like old sofa that you're a little like, ah, yeah. when was the last time this was, has been clean? <laughs> um, <laughs> and you don't feel comfortable
1: sitting on. What would, to that specific point, what do you think you want to in part to our listeners who are, whether it's um, service based or product based. So, what one of the things you said is location, 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 and Brittany said that too. So that's that's clearly it's something that we've heard, and I think you know you're saying it's true from your first franchise that you were a part of to now. What are some other things that you feel like make sure that you're paying attention? In the brick and mortar space, again, service or product-based, make sure that you're paying attention to these things. These are the things that you have experienced or you understand that they count the most with the customer.
2: Well, I think getting feedback from the customer. How is their experience? Are we executing? Are we delivering on the things that we're saying we're going to to deliver. I mean, a lot of our, your processes before you've opened are on paper and they're, you know, we think these these systems will talk and communicate with each other. And so it's once, now that we're open and operational, is that happening? Are our systems and are our processes working the way that we want? And is it really ultimately helping the consumer and what are they experiencing and what feedback do they have about it? So I think you know, really checking in with your consumer, talking to them, um, getting feedback, changing, you know, and adapting based off of their feedback. And um, I think that would be one of the most important things is really, you know, they're the ones that are experiencing it. And they're the ones that we want to keep happy and to please. So are we delivering on that?
1: How are you doing that? How are you getting customer feedback from people who are experiencing the physicality of the space, who are experiencing the actual therapist? Like, how are you asking for it without, you know, they've just done therapy. They don't necessarily want to sit around and and talk to you about your business. So how do you do that?
2: Yeah. So we do have a therapy alliance, a survey that we give that we we try not to do too much, but we do send that out. Um so they they ha- take it after their first session and it okay. gives an opportunity for them to really kind of give feedback on their experience in therapy with the therapist. Did what did my therapist understand me? Did they listen? You know, th- those sorts of things. I felt understood by them. Um, so there's that component. And then we we always follow up with them, whether we call them or we shoot them an email and hey we don't want to bother but we're hope, you know we we're a new business and we're really hoping that you had a great experience. Is there anything we could do to be better? Um, we want to make sure they had a good experience with their therapist and that they felt like they're a fit and that we maybe don't need to make different recommendations. And people have been really generous with giving us feedback and helping in that way. And I think people, most people want you to succeed, right? So yeah. even people yeah. that like are walk by on the street, that aren't our client that don't come here for therapy, but they're, excited by what we're doing. They're excited we're in the neighborhood. Um, they might already have their therapist, but you know they tell their friends about us. And so most people want you to succeed. And so that's been our experience that people will give feedback and we'll shoot, shoot back a text or an email and say, Hey, have you thought of this? Hey, what about this? And so we listen to all those things and, and take that into consideration and we, we stay in really close contact with our therapists as well. People, you know, they're in therapy and they are, they, they do give the therapist feedback and so uh, on their experience and, and, you know, like, well, I, I didn't see you had availability or, you know, kind of those sorts of things. So we um, obviously stay in close contact with all the therapists as well and, you know, let them know, let us know if they're, if someone's expressing that they've had um, a bad experience around yeah. um, booking with us or coming in with us or something yeah. like that. So
1: that's super helpful, thank you. I, I think one of the things, and maybe because Okay Humans is is still in its infancy, maybe you'll you'll have to go back to your franchise experience. But we often hear this, you know, check in with the consumer, do a survey, um, really understand what the customer wants from you, so you can deliver. When do you know, as the founder, as the the, the lead? Um, who's going to make decisions about the direction that the company should go. When do you know how much of the customer's feedback to, to bring in? Like, at what point is it too much? At what point are you just saying yes to everybody? And we've often heard like, you know, you got to say no, you so that you can have a clear offering so that you really know what you're about and stick to your core values. How do you sort of balance that when you're so appropriately sensitive to customer feedback?
2: Well, I think if you're hearing some of the same things over and over, well, then that's an indication that maybe there is a, you know, yeah, there's a breakdown somewhere in the system. And so that needs to to be addressed. If, if um, you're not, if you're hearing sort of one-offs, then kind of, Hold it. Look to see if you're if you get more of that same feedback. But I don't think you. I think you make a good point in that you can't necessarily react to everything right away. But it's good to to gather the data and to have the information. And if you continue to get the same data points, well, then you know to, to collaborate with your team and figure out how we want to address some of these
1: things. Right. And this is something we have to move on. And I would also assume that as you grow, as you mature, and you've been around for you know x amount of months, years, whatever, it becomes also how the consumer wants to consume you, right? They also become very like fickle sometimes and it's their trends and their habits and the way that they kind of move through their day. You were talking about dry bar, like we never knew we had to like build in time to go get a blow dry, (laughs) right? We just didn't, that's not how we thought. And then once we did, it was like, oh, I need it every week or I need it multiple times a week, right? So then they made time for that. So for you, it's a lot of this is going to be like, how are they going to respond to us? And then how are we going to do this sort of dance together to know what they need from us?
2: Yeah. And different people will have different needs. So you might have um, somebody with a a busy demanding career that does not want to commit to, I want to come to therapy on Tuesdays at two o'clock every week. And so on their app, they can go and book themselves different places. And so um, you know, at per their schedule, and, and they're in charge of like finding those openings and being able to do that. Of course, they can reach out to us for help, but that's something that you know that's one one consumer's experience that we wanted to make room for. And then there are other people who, for sure, they are like, okay, lock me in on this appointment. I want the same day, this you know same time every week, and I want to know I don't want to have to do anything except for just show right. up for that. Yeah. And I think um, you know we were we were in development before the pandemic, and so once the pandemic happened. Of course, we're watching all the things that were happening with virtual, and what does that mean? And virtual therapy was obviously it was around, but a lot of therapists didn't practice it very often, weren't fans of it, and the fact that most have come over and are on board with it, and and. Are, in, you know, believe and know that they can do important work virtually as well. That's a really big shift within the mm. industry. Mm. And so we we were watching and we wanted to be brick and mortar and we're big believers in the nuance and the chemistry and all the alchemy that happens within the therapy room. And, you know, if you can, we think that is a better experience, but we didn't know if people would want to even come in, come in through our doors. You know, we thought maybe everyone's going to want... Virtual, And we didn't really, we didn't, that wasn't our, our primary, you know, channel to, to, to deliver therapy. So um, that was something that based off of the consumer and whatever they were, you know, what the response they gave us is, you know, what we were willing to sort of figure out, uh, you know, to look for that and to, and then yeah. be able to try to find a way to make sure we met, would meet that but honestly we ha- we have a mix and some people do a hybrid and sometimes it depends on if a meeting's running over and if they've got a um, you know they'll they'll elect to sort of last minute hey can i can i do my session virtually but majority of the people have elected to come in person because they wanted in person, they were seeking in person, um, a little tired of Zoom, didn't, you know, we're waiting for that option. Um, So, so majority of people do come in person, but we didn't know what was going to happen.
1: Yeah, which I think is the lesson to, to our listeners, you know, that you have to remain somewhat elastic as, as a founder, and you have to sort of be able to, while sticking to your core, of, of what you do and, and, the, and the value that you're bringing to the consumer, <clears throat> you have to be able to um, allow for things to happen and respond to those things. At the end of the day, you're doing the same work, right? And it's just, how do we do it? What's the mechanism in which we're offering this? And I think that's something that a lot of us learned the hard way through the last, um, we keep saying 18 months, but it's been more than that now you know, how are we going to keep afloat? and how do we keep the offering that we intended to provide available? And it's just rethinking. And there were amazing pivot stories that came out of the last 18 months and some that I think made made businesses even more successful. So it's it's awesome that you've been able to to sort of, hold both camps available for people both virtually and and in person you talked about your experience I was playing on your uh, on the okay humans website which is so fun by the way I mean it's it's so it's you guys have done such a good job of making therapy not just accessible but very inviting it's it's very playful but I don't feel like you're not taking it seriously like you're clearly getting at. You're, you're, you're tapping into something. It's, it's clear. I want people to go to your website just to play. But I, I noticed at the bottom that there's a franchise opportunity. So here we are again with your franchise experience coming full circle, and you're going to be offering this. Is that is that happening now, or is it like a tune in? Well, it, it's it's more of a
2: tune in. So uh, okay. this is our first location. So we we've been open for eight nine weeks now. So we are you know ho- hoping to prove the model and make sure that we are responding to our consumers and getting enough people in the door and you know finding helping them find out about us and to add, to make sure that you know, this makes sense and that we, that we can grow and expand. And so we anticipate that we will get to grow and expand through franchising, but also probably open a, a couple more corporate locations. Yeah. Um, but we do want people who are interested and in, are in our, um, you know, curious about franchising um, to let them know that that is, that is, you know, down the road and hopefully not too far down the road. And we want to meet all those people who are interested in, in potential partners.
1: That's awesome. And as somebody who, was on the receiving end of a franchise, like, oh my gosh, the information that you have to share and the know- how know-how and knowledge and the empathy that you'll have for people who are on that receiving end. you've You've been on that end. It's so there's so much wisdom in how this is all come to be and the way you'll be able to inform those conversations and and those people,
2: yeah. and we get to draw from the wisdom of you know, my partners from yeah. the feel-good company. Yes. So Drybar did a, um, a mix of franchise and corporate locations, is franchising. Um, so it's certainly, I mean, the, the best thing I think I've done for OK Humans is partner with people who have experience in different areas in different ways than I do. And I have some lived experience and I feel comfortable in, in some of those worlds, but they, they've they got to grow and scale companies that, you know, much bigger um, than I ever have. And so it's, it's really... Nice and comforting to have their experience and know how, and uh, and to not be alone in it. To have that team to 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 really, I mean, you know, everyone from our COO who is very much involved in the tech component and the experience component for the consumer and all those things that are happening and the feedback that we get to make sure we're delivering um, a great product in that way and 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 service um, in the therapy suites and all those things. So. I mean, I think if I had one takeaway for anyone, it would be like, don't worry, you don't have to do it alone.
1: Yeah, oh my gosh, you, you just, that my last question was, <laughs> what do you want to say to the listener? Uh, kind of imparting any wisdom and that was a great tie-up because its it's, not only do you not have to do it alone, I would argue that when you talk to successful people, they will tell you, if they're honest, that they didn't do it alone. That somewhere along the way, somebody came in and gave them the support they needed in various forms.
2: Uh, I couldn't agree more. I I don't think anyone gets to do anything alone. We are interdependent, you know, and that's yeah. just that's how we were designed and someone's going to have an idea or a perspective or help you see something in in some new way or, or or completely just say we need to do this and and you know and respect that person and trust that person and so you guys do it, you know, and it works or 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 maybe it doesn't but you you gave it a shot and now you know.
1: Yeah. And and um the emotional support, right? Since I am talking to you, I have to yeah. <laughs> I have to talk about that. The emotional support of people who've been there and done that because many of us as entrepreneurs just we're in our own heads and we're dreaming about things. We're thinking about things. We're untangling knots in our head and it can feel very alone. So to have that community of people that are truly invested and have some know how in what you're doing. I mean, God bless all the partners and the best friends that have listened to our stories over and over again. But they don't always know what to say or or have um, anything really qualified to say.
2: I mean, to your point, thank goodness for the people who listen, right? Because right. You, you need those people. Just to sort of sometimes have that blind support, but it can be a very isolating, very scary place yeah. to be in, and um, and. I think, like you said, we're sort of always in our head and that kind of it never going away. I think that's a hard thing as an entrepreneur to learn to get comfortable with and used mm-hmm. to. And also, I think for the people in their life and in their world to to know that it's, you know, don't take it personal. It's not about you. It's just, it's just a really hard thing for it to be on your shoulders.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you for that. And thank you for sharing what you've shared today, because you've taken some of the burden off other people's shoulders just in knowing your story and knowing how you've done it and sharing some of your own experience and expertise for others. So we appreciate your time today, Christy. But before I let you go, we've got something called our Fast Five. So I'm just going to ask you a few questions and the first thing that comes to mind, please share. So what's the number one trait you think an entrepreneur must possess?
2: Um, stick to this, yeah. <laughs> that resilience, yes. gotta keep
1: yes. going. Yes, it's so true. Sometimes I think that we are successful just because of that. Like sometimes you could have just missed that that moment when things were about to come to fruition just because we gave up too soon. Um, so I absolutely, I agree with that and, and hoping for that too. Um, number two, I've been asking this question is what's an app that you use on a regular basis? in your business to sort of help you stay organized or on top of things, but I would also add, or a hack. Is there anything that, yeah.
2: Well, Slack feels like a hack and an app that helps everybody stay on top of things and organized. I do have a bit of a love-hate
1: because I feel like
2: you're so available, Um, but it's really nice uh, and it really does help keep things organized and streamlined.
1: Yes, uh, we hear Slack a lot. In fact, we're going to have to get Slack to be a sponsor of these podcasts. (laughs) <laughs> because people here are such fans. Um, and then as soon as you had a little bit of money, and because again, you're you're just starting out, maybe this was when you were first really coming up with the idea. But as soon as you could afford to pay somebody, what was the first hire that you made?
2: You know, I think my first splurge, which I think was the most important splurge I had was when I hired a branding company to help me name and come up with, you know, we, we named it Okay Humans. and We came up with the look and the feel and um, I, I took that and then that's how I met my partners. And my intention was to be able to show landlords because again, therapy is not in retail places, but to be able to show landlords, hey, this is what I'm doing to help get them comfortable. And that brand book ended up really opening so many doors, um, including my partnerships. Uh, and so that was a, a big splurge. And I also knew that You know, I could call it whatever I wanted to call it, but it wasn't it wasn't going to be as good as what somebody who was an expert in their field. Um, So I teamed up with a local branding company in L.A. called Project M Plus, and they were phenomenal and a big help.
1: I know Cleo. Yes! Oh my gosh. That's hilarious. Yeah, They're she, great. Yes.
2: We had a conversation and um, out of our conversation, it was kind of just my thoughts and feelings and that this one was specifically on like toxic positivity and she uh-huh. came up with OK Humans." So she named it.
1: Oh my gosh. That's hilarious. I love that. Well, it's clear again for all you listening, just go to the website because it's a lesson in branding and telling a story. It really is. Um, okay. Okay. And then this is, I always say the hardest question, salty or sweet snack? Oh, both.
2: It ha- I I eat <laughs> with milk
1: dust. <laughs> Oh, okay. That's good. That's good. That's, we, we do. That's a big treat for our combo. family. Okay. Yeah. So can I tell you something funny? We had, we were on a salty streak. Everybody I asked was salty. So I was coming up with my own conclusion that entrepreneurs like salty snacks. Last week, I interviewed a uh, partners and one liked salty and one liked sweet and she ruined everything now you're bringing us full circle right back with your salty sweet answer so we're we're okay we're okay i have we're- to have them both. yeah okay <laughs> we we're gonna get through this okay and then i just wanted to um kind of end this with Asking you, how has this, you know, our our podcast is Liberty for Her, our intention, our mission is to liberate women to live their dreams through these entrepreneurial endeavors. What does it mean for you? Or what what have you liberated by going through this process, this entrepreneurial process?
2: Oh, wow. Honestly, I could cry <laughs> when Aww. you said that because the first thing that came to my mind was I, I liberated like the little girl that I was that I didn't mm-hmm. think would ever get to where I am. So I think, and so like, ah, you're a good little therapist. (laughs) 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 No, but I mean, yeah, something about the way you asked that just hit me, but it really, it does feel like a liberation of, Mm. we are not where we start. We are not, um, you know, who our parents or bad mistakes are, you know, we, we get to become who we want to be. And so I think entrepreneurship has liberated me in
1: that way. Now you're making me cry. Um, (laughs) Well, listeners, (laughs) there's your awesome answer. Sorry to leave you with um, a little tearjerker, but I'm actually grateful that you said that in that way because I think for so many of us, there is that little girl who's dying to get out. And that's that's what we're here for, that we're trying to get her out with you and for you. So Christy, thank you. Thank you for this time. Thanks for being with us. We've learned so much from you. And we're so grateful for the great work that you're putting out in the world.
2: Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. That was amazing.
1: Now, now I feel like I got a therapy session. <laughs> I'm so glad. The bill the bill is in the mail. Um, and listeners, thank you guys. Thanks for making time for us. I, I don't hope I know that this brightened your day and that Christy's words had an impact on you. So until next week, I got to find a tissue fast. Until next week, we'll see you guys then. Bye. Liberty For Her is broadcast on all platforms Apple Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcast and more If you like what you've heard Please subscribe, rate and review Liberty For Her on Apple Podcast It helps us to know if these episodes are inspiring and equipping your ventures Liberty For Her is produced by Netta Jones and Elizabeth Joy Windham And music by Jordan Flower